Hi, everyone. This is Fernando, your host of the Bar Exam Game Plan Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. Today, I wanted to cover a tough topic with you that ends up coming up in the context of the essays and the MBEs, and that is the Erie Doctrine within the context of civil procedure. And, you know, a lot of times uh, programs try to teach you what the rules are, what the elements are. Um, but I want to I just take you through like a, a, a real world example. Um, I handled a lot of cases in both state and federal court. And um, what you have to remember is that the Erie Doctrine comes up in the context of diversity jurisdiction cases. So um, it's, a, it's a case that is in federal court, right, because of diversity of citizenship, right? In those situations, right, typically the court, the federal court and the federal judge, right, will apply whatever procedural law, right, applies in the context of its courtroom. So federal judges in federal court want to apply their federal rules, right? So if there is, that's one of the first things you have to think about, right? Is the law here, is there a law that is on point, right? That that clashes with state law. So federal rules of civil procedure, federal rules of evidence, maybe there's a federal statute, maybe there's a constitutional uh, um, uh, clause that applies, right? or an amendment, if that uh, particular rule is procedural, right, then that's the one that is going to be applied. Now, if, however, the, the rule is, or the issue is a substantive one, right, the, the state's substantive law, uh, the state law is a substantive one, then that state law is going to apply. So let me just give you an example. Sometimes we would bring lawsuits against a company that was outside of the state of California into federal court, and we would sue them for the non-payment of overtime wages, right? So it's a diversity case, and we're bringing a state law claim in federal court. And so the court has to decide, wait a minute, there is a state law here that says that overtime is owed after eight hours in a day and after 40 hours in a week. But there's also a federal law under the Fair Labor Standards Act that says that overtime is owed over 40 hours a week, and that's it. So under federal law, there's no daily overtime requirement. So you can technically work, you know, 24 hours one day, you know, and then 10 hours another day, and you wouldn't be owed any overtime. But in California, any time that you work after eight hours in one day, that substantive law is more protective than the federal law. And that's the case till this day, right? So the consideration here is... Let's say that the court is trying to determine, okay, is that law related to overtime, right? Is it a substantive one? So how do you determine whether it's a substantive one? Well, you have to look at whether it's an outcome determinative law, right? 
And so basically, if the law is not applied, will you have a different result or a different outcome? So if the state law isn't applied, in this case, the overtime uh, protections in the state law are, there's two laws, actually, daily and weekly overtime. And in the federal, there's only weekly. So yes, if that person worked more than eight hours on a daily basis, you could potentially have a different outcome. So it's already starting to look like this isn't just a procedural issue of how you file a pleading, right? What's the format? What's the font size? You know, those are procedural issues. This is now looking like, oh, wait, it's, it's outcome determinative. If we don't apply the state law, we're going to have a completely different outcome in this diversity jurisdiction case that's in federal court, right? Another thing that you look at is you have to... Um, balance the interests, right? So what is the interest of the state in having its own law applied? I'll let you know, having worked for the California Labor Commissioner, there was a great, and there still is, a very powerful interest in having its overtime laws applied, right? And because that interest, you know, gets mentioned time and time and time again, by the state uh, Supreme Court and in legislation that gets passed every year, that would be considered by the federal court to determine whether this state overtime law should be applied or not, right? The counter could be like, well, you know, it's just, it's just a procedural law that tells you, you know, when somebody should get paid. But, you know, the, the counter, it's a tough art counter to come up with. But for your purposes, you have to be able to analyze both sides and, and, and determine where the interests lie, right? And then the next part of determining whether a law is substantive, right, it relates to forum shopping, right? That notion of deterring forum shopping. So if you fail to apply the state law, would that cause a lot of people to quote unquote flood the federal courts and increase litigation in federal courts, right? And if it's going to increase litigation because the federal law is going to provide a more favorable judgment, then that particular issue is going to be deemed a substantive one and the law, the state law is going to be the one that applies. So just think about it. If you are in California and you bring a case against a company outside of California in a diversity jurisdiction case in federal court and you file a state law claim for overtime wages, but then the federal court says and the federal judge says, you know what? No, we're a federal court, you know, in a federal jurisdiction. Yes, it's diversity. We're going to apply the Federal Labor Standards Act only. Nothing else and they decide to disregard the state law, then what's going to happen, there's going to be a bunch of cases being removed to federal court, right? If anyone's sued in state court, because obviously in federal court, any judge applying only FLISA and the Federal Labor Standards Act is going to have a much more favorable judgment because there's no daily overtime. So even under that analysis as well, it shows you that that issue is more substantive, right? So 
That example is actually a little bit of an easier one, but generally a, a law is substantive if it's like the elements of a claim or of a defense, a statute of limitation, tolling, choice of law. Those are the types of issues that involve uh, substantive law. But now you know what the three elements are to determine whether something something is substantive or not, and you just make the arguments for both parties under each of those, right? Is it outcome determinative? You have to balance the interest of the state in having its own law applied, and then also any considerations around forum shopping, all right? All right, well, I hope that that benefits you. Again, just to recap, this is in the context of a diversity jurisdiction case that's in federal court, and you have a potential conflict of, of laws between a state law and a federal law, and if it's a, a, an entirely procedural one, right? Then the, the federal law is going to apply. But if it's a substantive one, then you have to apply the state law. And how do you determine if it's substantive? You do the three-part test. All right. As always, wishing you good luck and great success. And I'll catch you at the next episode. Take care. Bye.